Warning, this ninth installment of Spirekin Review Podcast's Bond Marathon will contain adult language, mature situations, a protagonist secret agent wielding lots of puns, a solar exchange death ray that is more for show than the villain's evil plot, a golden weapon that can be broken down into four common everyday items, a hillbilly cop on vacation in Thailand, a classy villain with superfluous papilla played by Christopher Lee. Listener discretion is advised. Spark in Motion Picture Review, James Bond 007, The Man with the Golden Gun. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Spark in Motion Picture Review. I'm your host Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, and what's up? Hey, I'm Greta. Yes, we are back for another fun-filled volume of the Spark in Review Podcast's Bondothon, or the Bond Marathon, when we're talking about all things James Bond. We're going through all the films, gearing up for... No Time to Die, and speaking of which, we just heard the new Bond theme, and I've got to say, Billie Eilish, you did a pretty good job. I think she crushed it. She really did, and it feels, fits the newer Bond, because it just gets more and more depressing over time. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, these ones are a little more upbeat, shall we say, the ones where we're currently reviewing at the moment. Well, when we started with uh, Under the Mango Tree. Very true, but... I'm getting ahead of myself. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. Sparkin is a podcast that provides informative reviews about connectly enhanced narratives. Long story short, every episode we talk about one or two geeky properties. We tell you the pros and cons about it, how the characters are, the overarching plot, and if it's worth investing your time in or not. You ask me anything that I and my co-hosts say, but we try to be educational, exciting, enlightening, and most importantly, entertaining. And where can they find us? They can find us at www.spirakin.com, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube. Just type in at Spirakin, you'll find us one way or the other. And if you see us on those sites, follow us, like us, let us know what you think. And if you want to do something very cool, go to tinyurl.com forward slash helpzan, that's H-E-L-P-X-A-N. It's kind of like giving us a high five. Yeah, because it goes to our Apple Podcast site, and you can leave a comment or a rating. Leave both. That'd be really cool and appreciated. Now that we've gotten our basic stuff out of the way, let's get to the review. Because if you remember from the last episode, we talked about Live and Let Die, the first film starring which James Bond? The one that's in the movie. <laughs> Roger Moore. Roger Moore. And it was his first <clears throat> pilot, and this is his second film. Now, the fun fact about this one... This one was actually supposed to be shot after. Yeah, I never knew that. It was actually supposed to be shot like a while ago. We're talking after and Her Majesty's Secret Service old. But because of all the different licensing issues we've talked about over the various other podcasts. We're not going to go back into it because it takes a long time. But long story short, this one came out of, well, it, it's completely out of order. However, there was a lot of things that were interesting with it. Like the fact that the main villain... Played by Christopher Lee. We'll get to him in a bit. Christopher Lee is Ian Fleming's cousin. And they used to play golf together. Which is so weird. And he was actually supposed to play Dr. No. But then 
Ian Fleming was super absent-minded and he forgot to talk to his cousin about it, so that happened. Which kind of sucks, because I would have liked to have seen him as Dr. No. I think he would have been a very good Dr. No. I think he would have enjoyed being Dr. No. Not playing an Asian, but it's kind of crazy. And this one was the, um, besides the fact that this is based on the 13th and final complete James Bond novel written by Ian Fleming, and it was actually the first novel released posthumously, or humorously. So it's kind of interesting that this is based on a, such an interesting franchise, and they've actually did something very different with it, which we'll get to in a moment. A couple other little things going on with this. This is also the last film that's going to be brought to us by everyone's favorite dynamic duo of Harry Saltzman and Albert R. Broccoli. I know I like broccoli. Broccoli stays on, Saltzman leaves. He takes a nice payout and he just says, peace, because there's some stuff going on in the background that they don't really want to talk about. But it's kind of... Like secret agent stuff? Uh, money stuff, and also because Saltzman was kind of crazy. At one point, he wanted to put in the film's climax. He wanted an elephant chase. Well. And he spent over $10 million on elephant shoes. Well, that's a, um, one way they can go. Yeah, it's a little crazy, but... So, this is The Man with the Golden Gun that was released in 1974, the second outing for Roger Moore as James Bond. We'll get to that in a bit. Or, also known as The Man with the Golden Gun. <laughs> uh, yes, Lulu's great theme song, which we're going to talk about also. It was directed by Guy Hamilton. It's his fourth Bond outing. So, he's done four Bond movies. And, I gotta say, it does feel very similar to the other James Bond movies. It feels a lot like Goldfinger. With that, it's got lots of locations, it's got lots of puns, and also you have a sidekick villain, a minion, henchman, who is, you you want to say larger than life? I would say he's big in a tiny way. He's very big, like he's memorable. It's not just a boring villain that's like the other ones we've talked about, like when we're talking about... Uh, Vargas, which no one remembers because Vargas is just... The only reason why I remember him is because of one pun, which is he got the point. Or Cleb. Just kind of... This is a, such a huge villain, but he, like, sneaks up on you in a little, in a little different kind of way. Yes, uh, with, uh, with a small gun and a bag of peanuts, <laughs> which is funny. And, like I said, this is based on The Man's Golden Gun from 1965. By Ian Fleming, and it's starring, well, returning is Lois Maxwell as Many Penny. Because Bern we have to. Yep. Bernard Lee as M. You have Desmond Llewellyn as Q. Now we have our henchman, the one we got to talk about. Well, Hervé Velichez. Now, if you don't know who that person is, he was really big in the 80s and 70s. And what was he famous for? The plane! The plane! Yes. Fantasy Island. He was the midget on Fantasy Island. Now, before you say, oh, you shouldn't say the M-word, it's like the N-word. Well, Hervé Velichez even said, I'm a midget. I'm not a dwarf. I'm not a small person. I'm a midget. That's how he defined himself. So, little person. A French midget. little person. Yeah, and oh, I love his little accent. It's so, because his voice is higher, too. And then his little hands for his little tiny gun, perfect. He's very charismatic, and also, he is very, he's not just, he's a very endearing character and you could he's also slightly sincerely evil 
he has a menacing quality, and also it makes sense that he would meet Scaramanga, our villain, because Scaramanga was from a circus family and kind of like, okay, they hooked up that way. Makes sense. So as the first of our Bond girls, you have Maud Adams as Andrea Anders. Now, fun fact with her, she's going to be the first Bond girl to appear not in one, not two, not three Bond movies as different Bond girls. Major Bond girls. So it's not like with Miss Trench where she's the same character in two movies. No, this is, she's a different Bond girl in each one. And she looks very different. Different hair, different everything. You have Sonny Caldenez as Craw. Uh, Craw, how to describe him? He's just kind of pervy. He's just like he's the security guard for the villain's he's island. He's supposed to be like the security guard. Well, they give him another name too. The uh, hired help. Yeah, but like, but he. I don't think he even had any lines. But he just like just, stares at the girl. Like I'm going to touch your clavicle. Because that's something that weird, creepy henchmen do. Yes. It is. It's just really creepy. You have uh, Clinton James back again as Sergeant J.W. Pepper. With a, with a fistful of chewing tobacco in his front lip. And, he, and the thing is that he was so popular because the guy Hamilton loved him so much in Live and Let Die, he said, I want to write another role for him. So they wrote another role for this character to put him in there. Because he's like a cartoon character. He's larger than life. And the thing is, how he shows up in this film makes no sense because he's a Louisiana back city sergeant. Down in the swamplands. And he's on vacation in Thailand. Because the little missus wanted to go. Well, we, we assume that. I'm thinking he wanted to go because it's just super racist, but he's very funny. And also, it's one of the funniest lines is, now, when you see him, you think, what do you think in political standpoints of the current modern era? You saw this guy. <laughs> I, honestly, I see this guy voting for a crocodile. <laughs> like it's no he's a floridan like come on like that's what like but yeah he's a floridan but he's obsessed with guns he's very and we like point. florida let's not say like we, we love know, florida even though there's some crazies in florida but there's like that whole the but he comes across florida man but yeah he but he comes across very like in the modern era you would say he's a republican but then he points out when they say, hey, I want to buy an elephant. It's like, no, we're Democrats. And you're like, what? It, it, it was during that time when Democrats and Republicans had kind of reversed allegiances. So, like, back then, Republicans were left-leaning and Democrats were right-leaning. Kind of weird. It's a kind of fun little... It was a weird time for all, which true. ended with a hick cop going down and being rude to an elephant interjecting himself into a car chase for no 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 he didn't interject himself his car was stolen and he was in no, it no he was in a he was in a um a t- we'll get to his how he's involved but it's funny uh we can't forget of course Britt Eklund as Mary Goodnight who is the primary bond girl and she also appeared in uh the 1967 Casino Royale the comedy and she uh, was married to Peter Sellers, but more importantly, Mary Goodnight compared to other Bond girls. She's very pretty. Th- she's just as pretty as all the other Bond girls. She's a lot dumber than the other Bond girls. She felt a little bit more one dimensional with her acting. Mm, 
Yeah, it's, she seems like she's like she just was hired for the job. Like they they didn't have her speak; they just had her stand there. She looks very beautiful, seventies, very trim. No, she talks. Tan. She's the one. No, but it looks like they hired her without listening to her. Oh speak. yeah, like wear a bikini and show up at the audition. And then when they get her, they're like, "Okay, this is the girl who gets takes the car keys and then gets locked up." They said, "Where are the car keys?" They're safe. They're with me. They're with me. Like, she plays an idiot well, which usually is a sign that someone's highly intelligent, because usually it's more challenging to play a stupid person. That is true. But this one, I don't know. Other fact about her is that she's the one of the first Bond girls to say no to James. Not for long, though. Oh, she totally, uh, like, breaks down, but she tries. And I gotta say, but she's a nice addition to the Bond girls in general. And finally, before we get to our main guy, let's talk about the villain himself. Francisco Scaramanga. The man with the golden gun. Also the man with the superfluous papilla. Or... A third nipple. Yes. And I have a hard time saying the man with the golden gun without saying the man with the golden gun. Yeah, but this is um, Christopher Lee... Being Christopher Lee. Now, if you've never heard of Christopher Lee or seen Christopher Lee, I'm surprised. He's played an absurd amount of roles. We can't even go over half of them. He's played, besides Dracula for an eternity, he played um, he played uh, Sherlock Holmes at one point. He played um, he played Count Dooku. He played Soromon from Lord of the Rings. He's typically, if you wanted a tall, scary, eloquent man, you pick. He's your Chris guy. Lee. Also, yeah. fun fact, until he died, he was also the uh, lead singer in a death metal band. Of course he was. And also, he also something that I think is really cool is that he loved Lord of the Rings so much, he would read it every year on the same the same month. So it's kind of cool. He's very cool geek. But just... what's cool about Scaramanga is he's kind of... So his backstory here is that he was born into a... A circus. circus family. Yeah. And, you know, through being mistreated and things like that, he helped take care of elephants. You know, one guy hit. You know, he has his own little moment that he shares with James when he's explaining everything. But then he discovered that he he thought he loved animals, but he loved killing people more. And he's a super extreme... Um, Trick shot. Sought after... Hitman. It only takes him one shot. He always gets his man, and it's a million dollars per hit. So if you want him, he'll get him. No problem. No question. Totally just one shot with his golden gun. Um, but it's a million dollars. Yes, he always will send his uh, any of his uh, victims. He sends them a bullet with their name on it, which is. The, I thought they only did that just to James. I didn't think they. In did the that book, to in the book, it's to all of them. It's always a gold bullet, and it's different. It's a gold plated gun. It's not actually gun made of gold. This is very different because the golden gun in uh, this film is designed really cool and compared to Roger Moore's PPK. Matthew PPK. No, the Walter. Walter, Walter PPK. That was close. It was a name. That one is it's a very different type of gun and this one is designed to be hidden. It breaks up. The golden gun breaks into four pieces. You have a cuffling for the trigger. You have a cigarette uh, holder for the the handle. You have for the base part where the bullet goes into, it's a lighter. And then the barrel is 
a pen, and each piece breaks apart and each piece is functional. So you could use it as a gun or you could use it as a lighter or as a cigarette holder. Or you can put the whole thing together and kill someone. And that's what he does. He just puts it, he uses it, and then he take, disassembles it and takes it apart and you can't tell it's on him. And the movie opens up where Scaramanga is on his island. Because he has an island in the middle of Thailand, because or in the China Sea, because reasons. Because there's a lot of tiny, tiny little islands all over there. And the deal is he does favors for the Chinese government in exchange for this awesome island paradise, which has is super powerful. And he's there. And he's with his girlfriend, who's played by Maude Adams. And they're there just relaxing, and a guy shows up. And Knick-Knack, uh, Hervé Villachez, kind of waves him over. And he says, uh, he gives him money. He's like, half essentially his like butler, personal assistant, a little bit of everything. Yes, because Knick-Knack does everything for Scaramanga. Sets up all his deals, pays for everything, cooks, cleans. Like, the kitchen is designed for Knick-Knack. It's actually Knick-Knack size, so that was actually really cool. It was super cute. And so he makes the... Because he's a cordon bleu. He is a Cordon Bleu, which is actually really impressive. Even though that what he makes is poisonous to Zans. Yeah. Poor Zan. He can't eat the mushrooms. No, nope. But it makes sense because if he is a vegan, which it kind of hints that he's a vegetarian, that's kind of cool for Goldfinger if he's a vegetarian. However, he this guy that's there was hired to kill Scaramanga because, fun fact, if Scaramanga dies, all of his property, all of his money goes to... Knickknack! So Knickknack has a reason to kill his boss, and it's actually kind of cool because it's that. Um, but Scaramanga likes the challenge. He's got a fun house on the island where it's like in his lair. You go and there's trap mirrors. You know the the guy goes in there and he's trying to kill him. And there's a mirror that like moves around, and then there's um, different like, setups. Different setups. There's a saloon. There's gangsters. There's all sorts of things, and it's it's kind of like his trick shot where he catches people. Because and... first he comes out because it's set up. He uh, he sets the guy who's going to kill him up, and then he calls Scaramanga into, because he's lying on the beach, calls him into this office for a minute. The guy points his gun at him. It turns out that Scaramanga does not have his gun on him, so it's almost, uh, you're in trouble, Mr. Scaramanga. I've hidden your gun. <laughs> you and, have to go find it. And it's hidden in this labyrinth of... Uh, this funhouse labyrinth craziness. And the cool thing is that throughout the funhouse, whenever you see the different aspects, you hear the man with the golden gun in different versions. So it starts off in a saloon. It, it zooms to a saloon, and you hear the piano playing the man with the golden gun theme. And then the guy tries to shoot him, misses it, and then he, he's you laughing. You hear it with like a little 20s vibe on it. Because it like... goes into a, a gangster a gangster scene in the like in Chicago, and the guy ends up shooting what he thinks is Scaramanga, but it turns out it's a wax figure of Al Capone. He's like, Al, hey Al, listen, wherever you are, I, I no disres no disrespect. Like he was insulting, which is kind of fun. And then he goes in. Meanwhile, Scaramanga is trying to find his golden gun, and he sees it hidden in the middle of a room where the guy has a perfect shot at it. Like, there's no way he'll miss if he he uh, tries to go for it. Because it's in the middle of a room, there's nothing around it. So he, he goes for it, he goes to shoot him, and it was a mirror. Scaramanga gets his gun, turns, and one shot, done. Dead. But, but as he kills him, you see, right behind him, a statue of James Bond. A wax figure. And it looks like it should be in... 
uh, Madame Tussauds, Tussauds um, uh, museum, but it's yeah. hyper realistic. And he ends up shooting off the fingers, and he's like, uh, well, you try again next time, Nick Knack. And this is probably, and he's like, your best time ever, sir. So it, it's like, it's a game between them, which I like that that's, that has Like, that. it's like a little dark, but it's funny, and they really enjoy themselves and have a good time with it, and... And unlike other villains that you have, the relationship between Nick Knack and Scaramanga is kind of weird as, like, best friends, or best frenemies, almost... Yeah, but Nick Knack would would truly do like he totally would kill him. Like he, if he wanted to really kill him, he could just poison his food. But they're like they enjoy the repartee and the companionship. I think yes, they're on an island. So as this is going on, it zooms into MI six, the typical headquarters of the Secret Service. The, the you know the MI six agents and James is actually brought in. There's no interlude of James hooking up with a girl. No, he's been called in, and it's like. What's going on, Em? He's like, I'm taking you off assignment. Uh, He's like, why? Because this came for you. And it's a letter signed S with Scaramanga's thumbprint on it and a bullet with 007. A golden bullet. So they don't want to jeopardize the mission, which he's trying to find this device called the Solex, which is it converts solar energy into... It's like a superconductor. That converts solar energy into power. and theory- It's about the size of a cassette tape, almost. And it's super valuable. Like, the world wants it. And they're trying to find out what happened to it. And as he... And M is laying it that you can't do it because what happens if you die in the middle of the mission? It, it compromises the whole mission. And then James says, well, what if I find him first? And they're like... Uh, well, why don't you just take a break? And if you find him first, then that solves two problems. So it becomes a hunt where he's... Like, hint, you're good. Go for it. Because at first I said, either you're going to retire or you're taking a vacation until this is done. He was like, well, if he's going to find me anyway, I'll go find him. So he ends up trying to track down Scaramanga. And how he does it is he actually looks for where the bullet was made, which is this, uh, where was it? It was, uh, Morocco, I think? Oh, Macau. It was in Macau. Because first he had to find the bullet itself. Because the bullet was like a fake bullet, but apparently one of their agents, 002, got killed in a bar fight in Macau. So he ends up having to go to Macau, meeting the girl who was with him, and finding where the bullet went. And it turns out the girl found the bullet, and she made it into a lucky charm that's on her stomach. Uh, She's a belly dancer, and it's in her belly button. Yes, so he has to seduce her, but this is when you start seeing the major difference between Sean Connery and Roger Moore, because Roger Sean Connery would have nailed her and then peace. Roger Moore, he'll flirt with a girl if he's interested. He'll do, he'll have sex with her, but for the most part, he'll be like, "Okay, this is kind of interesting, but I got my mission to do. I'll see you later," because his mission takes priority over everything else. Right. Which I kind of like about this. So. He ends up getting the bullet through a great fight scene, finds out it's in Macau, goes to Macau and meets the gunmaker who makes all these really cool weapons. They're all very different. Like, the weapon he's working on is a gun for a man with only three fingers. It's like a rifle, and you have to squeeze it, and James misses the target by, like, an inch, and he goes, it's because your balance is off. You have to minus out a couple fingers, two fingers. It's really inventive. It's not like Q gadgets. They're like practical gadgets. Like the only Q item in this, I think, 
is one thing he makes to meet an individual. It's a fake uh, nipple, which is yeah. funny. However, going back to it, he he tracks down where the bullets are made, gets the bullets. He meets uh, the Andrea Anders, the girlfriend of Scaramanga, and he finds out what's going on. And she directs him to the Bottoms Up Club, which is a club where Scaramanga's next hit is. And at first, you think he's gonna kill James. But then it turns out that James was not even the target at all. It was a random guy that gets killed. However, it turns out the guy that was killed is the guy who stole the Solex agitator device. Mm-hmm. And was going to give it to Britain. So he kind of fucked up the whole situation. Now, Well, see, no, but that situation would have been going on. On its own, and that's where there was multiple people trying to get that device. This this got thrown a wrench because all of a sudden James is now going after Scaramanga because Scaramanga supposedly is going after him. Yeah, but it and it leads to a weird point. Also, something that's cool is that he gets arrested by a lieutenant who's taking him on a boat to jail, and they're passing by this boat that had crashed. What was it? it was two years beforehand mysteriously mysteriously crashed he jumps on the boat to escape like he jumps out of the boat to he jumps out of the one boat he's on onto the crashed wreck and as he's about to like look for a place they say welcome commander bond come inside and everything's on an angle because the boat had tipped over and sank supposedly so everything's on an angle but they leveled out the floor so they're just working in there so it turns out the h the rms queen elizabeth is actually a secret base for mi6 in uh hong kong which is where they're at and it and when you walk in there suddenly you see m's office randomly just there and this is one of the weird things that happens in the Roger Moore era is that no matter where they're at, M has like a mobile office there. Where Many Penny is, also. So. And wherever you go, Many Penny has her little desk, and you walk into the door, and she's right there, and it's like, oh, okay, coat rack, and then. But the coat rack is no longer used, sadly. And also, Q branch is there experimenting with new stuff. And I wonder if that's the same Q branch, or if that's just like a. An outlet of the branch. It's like each one that's the, okay, I'm working now with the branch in Hong Kong. Next one, I'm working with the branch in Egypt and then maybe Los Angeles. They're all different Q branches, which would make sense. But Yeah, like a lab. Like there's labs all over the world. It's just wherever you are is the. And Major Boothroy is there because of reasons. But so from there, we he explains what happens and M says, all right, fine, you're back on the case. Get us those Solex one way or the other. He goes there, finds out who arranged the murder of Gibson, pretends to be Scaramanga, gets invited to dinner, gets caught, gets taken to a kung fu school, which is kind of crazy. And then from there, he gets into a huge chase on a, um, the hell is it called? Oh, a sandpan. Those boats which have the... the little boats in Thailand with the... With a little motor on the back, and it's a long stick with like a little fan. And it's funny because he's he's trying to escape and it's not going fast. And this little uh, vagrant kid is trying to hawk his wares on a on a boat with tourists. He jumps off and hook. What is it? Hook. Uh... It's like a it's a way of getting into a boat. He he does a hook maneuver where he throws his leg over and flips in. So he jumps right on his boat. He says, "Hey, Mister! Hey, Mister! I give you for for forty bucks." 
for 40 bah, I'll give you this outfit. You know what? I like you. You're handsome. 30 bah. And James says, No, for handsome guys, it's 30 bah. But you, I like you. 20. So he keeps going down to minuscule amounts of money. And then James, because they're not going fast, he says, Listen, I'll give you 20,000 bach if you can make this this boat go any faster. And the kid smiles and flips a switch that's under the dashboard. And it's. And then the. The, um, the fuel, fuel just line. shoots right in. Yeah. So they're going fast. He's like, 20,000 bach, please. And he's like, I'll write you a check and knocks him into the water. The kid's like, You damn tourist! You're like, Oh, because his voice changes, which I like that the kid went from one to another. And. It's a nice chase scene. Also in the chase scene, you see in one of the boats, J.W. Pepper and his wife. Like, with a whole bunch of um, American, other American tourists. And they're, like, watching this happen, and they're just laughing, and J.W.'s laughing at the situation while, meanwhile, an elephant is pickpocketing him. And then he says, like, meet about the elephant, and the elephant pushes him in the water. Because he says, you're one ugly, ugly, ugly thing, and right in the water that's kind of fun so from there it ends up getting into other things happening involving uh, the person that uh, he was investigating Hofat gets killed by Scaramanga in a very cool way so Scaramanga takes over his empire gets a lot of money takes the Solex from him and runs off uh, meanwhile we find out that Anders sent the bullet to London to get James Bond to kill Scaramanga and says that, listen, I'll give you myself and the Solex tomorrow after times. But also waiting in the same room while this is happening is Goodnight, who thought she was going to get with Bond, and then it gets really awkward. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, Mary Goodnight is his new assistant who's trying to be there for him, and she's interested in him, and he keeps saying no, or... He gets brushed off. She gets brushed off constantly. And then when she's going to... It looks like they're going to finally hook up. Anders shows up. And then she's locked into a closet for two hours. It gets kind of crazy. However, from this point, we get to the Muay Thai fight where they're going to do the exchange. He gets there and says, Oh, hey, do you have the device on you? She's not moving. She looks perfectly still as a statue. Not blinking. Doesn't appear to be breathing. He looks and says, are you okay? Looks down, and then the, the lining, uh, like the neckline of her outfit, right by her heart, you can see a bloodline running down, and she's been perfectly killed with one shot. And as he's there, he's, he looks in her bag, like says, oh, the tickets are in here, uh, like looking for the cell like pretending to talk to her. And Scaramanga sits next to him and says, don't even look at Fort Mr. Bond, it's not there. And he turns, and he's like, don't worry about it. Like, I didn't expect to see her. I've always wanted to meet you. You're He's acting like a fanboy a little bit. It's like, but don't try anything. And then behind him, he feels something poking in his back, and he sees Knick-Knack sitting there with a gun in one hand and then a bag of peanuts in the other hand. And like, he, ready ready to shoot. And he asks Bond, where's the Solex? And Bond's like, I don't know. I, I don't know what you're talking about because he can't find the Solex either. And as they're sitting there, Bond notices on the floor, the Solex fell on the floor. So nonchalantly moves his foot and covers the Solex. He drops his, uh, he goes to buy, he, uh, his friend comes in. Whole thing happens where he do kind of a switch move where he drops a bag on the floor of peanuts, picks up the Solex instead of the bag, puts it in the bag, swaps it really quickly. Really kind of cool move. Like a perfect James Bond 
quick at hand. And still not making sure that Scaramanga doesn't think about it. And they're still just going back and forth. They're saying, listen, I don't want to see you again because I have too much respect for you. However, it was excellent to meet you. And I hope, you know, it's kind of a, I want to see you again, but I don't because I'm going to kill you. And just respectful fanboyish nature. However, he ends up leaving. And then from there, it gets even more crazy because they try to get the Solex out by giving it to Goodnight. And she's going to supposedly leave. But she sees the midget that was holding James hostage and sees him get into a car. So she gets a bright idea. I have a homer on me, a homing device. I get attached to his car, and then we can find out where he is. So she um, picks the lock to the trunk and puts the tracking device there, but Scaramanga is behind her, so he flips her into the trunk and closes it. Like, ha-ha. And then it gets to the point of where they ask where the keys to the car so they could chase her, and she's got the keys on her. And then he ends up stealing a ATS Matador, which apparently was a car. And in the car, in the passenger seat, you're looking at it, was J.W. Pepper. And they get to a really interesting and crazy just <laughs> chase sequence. And actually, the coolest part of the chase sequence is there's a flip. And during this flip, they actually got the guy who did the stunts for Bullet to do this flip work. Because the car goes across one bridge, which is... So it's a... It's a... He, James Bond took the wrong turn, and Scaramanga ended up on the other side of this little river. And the only other bridge to get across the river to the right side, the correct side, I should say, because I don't know if it's left or right, um, was two miles back. So rather than turning around, going back, he sees this bridge that's been blown up or decrepit and fallen apart. But it's got a little turn to it. It's like it maybe termites or something. So he pulls the car around reverses back and gets ready and goes for it. He he dukes of hazard corkscrews it. It flips around and lands on you hear and that was kind of cheesy. Could not have been more perfect. And the the sound effect was super cheesy. Oh, uh, like, but I but I kinda like that a little bit. But they also have cheesy sound effects for like the computers and stuff. Like computers don't go boop 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 boop. And in the in this time yeah. I would have liked it to be like, hey Hey, that James Bond and, and Peppa are in sharing trouble. What, what's going to happen next? Just do the freeze frame. But it, it just gets more ridiculous from that point. If they, they chase Scaramanga down to a garage. They think they got him. And then it turns out inside the garage, Scaramanga is turning his car into an airplane. Why? Because he can. And then they fly and escape. And then it ends. Because he also has to fly back to his island. Yes. So, they end up tracking Goodnight to the island, and then it becomes a fight between James and Scaramanga. They're going to have a duel. Walt- because because Scaramanga wants it to be... He wants to be a gentleman. He has respect for James Bond. He's like, you and I, nobody else knows what we go through. Nobody else has our job and our passion and our skill. You know, it would be... it's. It's without honor to have killed you. I could have killed you, you know, four times now, but it, that would be without honor. So let's have a duel. Let's make a fair. Fair is is kind of. <laughs> but you know, what I, but but that's like his thing. So they, you know, James goes absolutely after we eat this beautiful meal that Knickknack made for us because he's gonna play the gentleman, right? Well, he is, but so it gets on. into a very cool. Uh, fight between them that's done really well because James has six bullets, Scaramanga has only one. 
how it ends, I you have to see it to understand it. I'm not going to spoil it. However, due to Goodnight's kind of stupidity, she ends up blowing up the island. Yep. Because she doesn't read signs. But they get the Solax. And she hits a button with her butt. Yeah. Uh, they end up getting the weapon, the Solax, and they end up g- taking a boat away. And Knickknack, he's not killed. He has a fate much worse. He gets put into some luggage. He gets put into a box. He gets put into... How funny would that be if it was a certain brand? Oh, that would be hilarious. Actually, does that brand make luggage like that? Um, funny, but yes. Oh. However, it was pretty... It was pretty kind of cool how, how it ends up. And now... So, overall, this one is kind of... It's hard to review because this is a guilty pleasure of mine. This is the first Bond movie I ever saw, so... I like it a lot. I know their flaws in this movie. I totally know their flaws. So, but I'm going to go over some of the more interesting, intricate um, details about it uh, before I get to my rating. Because first off, the actual theme is really cool. I can't stop singing. Lulu's the man with the golden gun. It's an earwig that gets into you. Some people said, "Oh, it's a horrible Bond song." I think it works. I think it's an awesome Bond song because it fits the whole premise of it. It's very bombastic and crazy and weird and. Ironically, if you listen to the other version, the one that Alice Cooper proposed, that gives the movie a whole different feel. This one's very, um, how would you put it? It's very... Psychedelic, maybe? It's definitely true to, like, 70s, so maybe a little... Like, I feel like psychedelic is 60s, and it's, it's super catchy, it's, um... like a jingle it is a jingle and john barry the guy who did all the music for all the james Bond movies actually says this is the one he hates the most he just doesn't like it and he wanted instead of that he wanted elton john to sing this song so that would have been very weird and the lyrics are kind of ludicrous and like really sexual innuendo-y but that's like james bond i kind of i think it fits it's a fun little number i do think that and so the music, it's great how they use it because it's throughout the entire movie you hear the song. And it's a great way to showcase that style to it. Now, in the next, in the upcoming films, the later films, they actually do away with this. This is, I think, the last film that does that where you have the theme song throughout the film in different spots. Like, they're in a casino and you hear it and they're, they're on an island and they hear it. From this point on, I don't think that you hear the songs as much. I don't think. Could be wrong, though. But we're going to have to wait and see. Now, as for Scaramanga, one of the best villains. Arguably one of the best villains. Yeah, he's definitely one of the top. And originally, he was supposed to be Jack Palance. And Jack Palance, he's a... Because, correct me if I'm wrong, but you kind of like him a little bit. Because the thing is, he's a villain who's so similar uh, to Bond, because they both have the same ability and skill... And even though he's a little comedic. But he's not like, he's not part of Spectre. He's kind of debonair. Like, you don't like him in the beginning because you know, okay, this is the bad guy. I'm not supposed to like him. Um, And he's a threatening figure. He will not tolerate failure. He's someone who doesn't mess around. But his house is kind of cool. He's... Very debonair. When he's dealing with his associates, he's very just down to earth. 
it's, with his business partners and stuff like that. Like they don't love him and things, but I don't know. You kind of you kind of like him a little bit. Yeah, you're not upset he dies. It's that Christopher Lee factor. It's like Christopher Lee and Tim Curry have that factor where it's that smart yeah. that 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 just it's something about them that's like yes, this is a great villain. And that's what fits about him. Also, something we didn't even bring up is the fact that his whole thing is he stole the solar, uh, the Solex, in order to put it into a device that's going to give energy, and he's going to sell it to the highest bidders. But he's not going to sell it to the sheiks because he's like, oh, the sheiks would pay you billions just to get take it off the market. He's like, eh. but he's like, yeah, I thought about that. But you know, he's going to just be kind of cool about it. He doesn't want or need for much, so he he's not about taking over the world or destroying things. I mean, he does enjoy killing people a little bit too much, but because he charges a million dollars for a hit, it's not like he's a mass murderer. Um, and I'm not trying to say that he's, that's any better or he, worse. He, compared to the other villains, he's almost a sportsman. And that's the thing is he's doing it for the thrill. And that's a more interesting aspect than, okay, he's, they're working for Spectre and that's the situation. Or I love gold. Or I love diamonds. It's and I just... want to ruin the world. He actually like wants to provide that that technology to more people. Yes, to the high, highest bidder. But it's it's he's not trying to destroy the world in any way. He, he, and he really wasn't after Bond. It was because someone else wanted them to kill him. Otherwise, he wouldn't have given his shit. He'd be like, eh, I don't care. He's not a perfect guy. He's not the best guy. He's... But I think he's one of the higher rating. I think I put him as the number my number two villain at this point. Because he's a very good villain. He's a very high villain. Nick Knack, also very high up. Oh, I Nick love Nick Knack. You, you can't talk about one without the other. And he's, like, so handsome in his little tiny tux. Like, his little... Butler outfit, not or the voodoo, or... not not the, the the wrestling outfit he has at one point, which is out of nowhere. No, but he's like super fit for a little person. He was, he was very fit, and it's a, it's a shame that well, like he's super fit for like anybody, but True. let alone his his body to body to, the mass index is is good. So yeah, he's like a just miniature. So this, we could talk about the fact that there's some kung fu fights that are really well done, totally. If you like martial arts movies, they are not at all... This is the beginning of the martial arts movement. Yes, in the, the James Bond films. This one, he is judo chopping like there's no tomorrow and doing rolls and kicks and punches. He's not quite saying judo chop like Austin Powers would, but it's there. This is where Austin Powers got the judo chop from, from this one. And since it's shot in Hong Kong, Thailand, Asia, it has kind of that 70s uh, martial arts movie vibe to it a little bit. And I, it's kind of a enjoyable part to it. It, it honors that. And it, it doesn't make it goofy. It just, it fits. Totally. It is funny, though, that you see these two girls who are in, like, schoolgirl outfits. And giggly and things like that. They're, mar- they're martial arts masters because their dad is, owns a dojo. Yeah. They say, I'll take care of these girls. And they just push them aside and say, we got this. And they kick the hell out of a bunch of trainees and said, oh, I forgot to tell you, their father owns a, a dojo. I was like, wow. So, one of the negative aspects of this film, though, is it is a little comical. A little, well, let's be honest. It's very funny. It's a funny movie, but it's not... It's not a comedy. It's not a comedy. But there are funny parts to it. Yeah, like the scene, like we said, with the with the stunt, when they have a slide whistle, 
that kind of breaks the rule of the James Bond thing. It makes it just not that, not as, I don't know. Serious? Yes, not as serious. Also, the flying car at that point is like, oh. Okay. But that's also like where where Bond is really starting to get more into the gadgets. And it's not just for Bond. It's like the, the secret agent gadgets. And I think this is also the decline of the secret agent gadgets because this is the peak. I think it's this one or the next one where there's a lot of secret agent gadgets. And then from there, just they dumb them down. It's like there's not as many gadgets as there used to be. It's just less and less and less. Like, the main gadgets in this are all Scaramanga stuff. The only thing that James has is a fake nipple and a tracking device. That's it. Meanwhile, Scaramanga has all the toys. He has a death ray laser that he uses to blow up a jet that James Bond came up in. And the cool part is that you don't see the laser. It's just he aims it, it shoots, it blows it up. It's kind of cool that does that. There's no, like, fake beam. It's also, I like that, I mean, I might have missed one or two, but they didn't have any of those fast forward fight scenes. No, they did. Like it's some of the, 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 um, karate is like a little painful to watch if you really love karate, but, but it's choreographed and not messed with in post-production, which I, I really liked. And that makes this film really good. Now, out of our rating system, I'm going to have to give The Man with the Golden Gun. I give it a really, really, really fucking cool. I enjoy this film. I think it's a great blast to watch. It's got adventure. It's got action. It's got comedy. It's got a great soundtrack. And it's one that you could watch over and over again. Because there's so many little cool things and details to see. And also, Christopher Lee makes this movie. Let's be honest. He actually like outshines totally... Roger Moore and the scenes that they're together. Oh, totally. Like, Roger Moore is cool, but... Yeah. Christopher Lee's better. Now, as for Goodnight... That is the one thing I'm like, that would, would bring it down. But it's it's still really, really, really fucking cool. I love it, even though Goodnight is, like, one of the worst Bond girls, I think, at this point. It's not because she's... Because she's so... The, she's so ditzy. She's also very thirsty for Bond. Using the parlance of the time. Yeah. She's like super up on Bond wanting to have sex with him. And then when she gets the chance, she's like, no, no, I don't want to. And then, yes, yes, I do. It's like, can I make up your mind almost? Well, she doesn't want to be one of the many, but she does want to be with Bond. She totally wants to be one of the many. So I believe from that point, uh, I think that's all we could say about the man with the golden gun. I, it's one of my favorites. I say watch it. It's I find it highly entertaining. It is highly entertaining. It's a fun film. Watch it. Let us know what you think. If you disagree with us, email us at zan, X-A-N, at spyker.com, or leave a comment on any of the social media sites that you see the post for The yeah. Golden Gun. Let us know. Did you think that this one is underrated? And Well, our random question of the day is going to be, how bad do you want the Golden Gun? Because I totally want the Golden Gun. There's a replica that's coming out this year that looks awesome. Even though $300 for replica, I think someone would kill me if I got did that. I don't feel the need for the Golden Gun. I just want to say the man with the Golden Gun. You hang it up, but you could hang that up on a wall. You totally could hang up the gun on a wall. So with that in mind, I'm Zan. I'm Greta. We're gone, so I'll catch you guys next time. And keep watching Bond movies. We'll see you tomorrow for our next film. 
I think we're going to be talking about... Well, we are talking about... We're going to be talking about The Spy Who Loved Me. Yay! See you guys later. Bye. Scaramanga. The man with the golden gun. He always uses a golden bullet. This trinket was sent with a note requesting special delivery to you. I have never seen Mr. Scaramanga. Mr. Bond, this is impossible. I can't... I can't tell you. 
Roger Moore, back in action in the exotic east as James Bond, 007, on a collision course with the most dangerous man alive. The man with the golden gun. Hold on, sir. James Bond, on the job. The girls are willing. I've dreamed about you setting me free. The pace is killing a new high for 007. Bonjour, Monsieur Bond. I am Nick Nat. Monsieur Scaramanga will welcome you personally. The target is the highest price killer in the world. He plays a deadly game and the stakes are sky high. I shall lie low, too. I don't intend to jeopardize the project in which I've invested half my fortune when it's ready to yield billions. Where will you hide out? That does not concern you. Take this. Return it to the plant and don't leave there without my permission. May I remind you that you work for me. I took you on as a junior partner to be an occasional convenience, nothing more. I did not hire you to interfere in my affairs. Is that clearly understood? Yes, very clearly. I now regret having even considered employing your services, but that is beside the point. Bond doesn't know you're in Bangkok. He's never seen you, but he knows me. That's the problem. There's no problem. What happened? 
Mr. Fat has just resigned. I'm the new chairman of the board. He always did like that mausoleum. <laughs>